Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. There's a famous song from 1963 titled, It's My Party. It has that famous line, It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. If you've heard that song, have you ever wondered, if it's her party, why would she want to cry? A few days ago, I told a little story about a kid who can't enjoy his friend's birthday party because he's treating it like it's, it's supposed to be his party. He's so sad because he's not getting any gifts and he's not the center of attention. And as a result, he can't just enjoy all the cake and games and fun that all the other kids are enjoying. If we live our lives like that kid, where we can't enjoy all the fantastic benefits of being at God's party because we want life to be about us, then we'll also be like the woman in the song, crying at our own party. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's, it's good. God's will, see, it's good. If you're sitting there thinking, oh man, it's not my party, I have to conform to his party, uh, it's about, no, 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 his will is good, pleasing, perfect. You're going to have far greater joy and satisfaction in life if you live not as your party, but in his party. Then that'll be great. If, this, if you make this your party, your, your life is going to be heartbreak and disappointment. There's an old song from the 60s, It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. You know, you know that song? All my life I've heard that, and I never really knew why she's crying. Finally this week I, looked, I Googled it and found out, read the lyrics find out what she's crying about. You know why she's crying? Anybody know why she's crying? We don't even listen to that song, do we? <laughs> she's crying because she's interested in Johnny, but Johnny leaves the party with Judy, and they end up coming back and Judy's wearing Johnny's ring. That's why she's crying. Sounds to me like it's Judy's party. <laughs> but I think that song is a great illustration of what life is like when you think it's your party. Because the premise of the song is, well, it's my party, therefore I should be able to do what I want. Don't tell me not to cry. I can do what I want. It's my party. But she can't make things work out according to her plan, and so she just ends up crying, which is exactly where you'll end up if you try to make this your party. You don't have foreknowledge of the future. You don't have power to make anything happen the way you want. You don't have have power to make life anything other than the mist that it is. And so inevitably, your whole life will turn into a big disappointment if you make it your party. But if we can stop pretending that it's our party and we can just join in that great, marvelous, eternal wonder of the plan of God and the things that God is doing for His glory and we find our place in that, we find where we fit in that, that's when joy will come. And nothing can hit that. Nothing can hurt that. So imagine your friend, your little kid, your friend's having this incredible birthday party. He has rich parents, taking all his friends to Disney World, and they're going on all these amazing adventures, and that's his party. But you want it to be your party, and so you stay home and blow up a few balloons, and you try to make it all about you, and you refuse to go to your friend's party. You're doing that because you want to be happy, but what's the result? You're miserable. You're alone. You're, 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 you're sitting around in misery and self-pity all day instead of having all kinds of fun at your friend's party. Now, don't take that illustration too far. I'm not trying to suggest that God's party is all, you know, Disney World, and it's all about having fun. Very often, God's party is, involves hardship and suffering and persecution, but what I am saying is that even that will be far more fulfilling and joy-producing in your heart than trying to make this your party. 
Making it your party might be fun, but it'll be empty. So how do we how do we do this? I mean, does, is, is James saying it's mainly a matter of speech? He's just requiring we say this thing if it's the Lord's will every single time, everything, every single thing. We, if it's if the Lord wills, if, you know, no matter what your plan is, will you pass a salad? Well, if the Lord wills, here you go. And, I mean, I, it's I don't think it's that. I don't think he's saying that we're turn this into some kind of Christian cliche. I mean, you could do that and even turn it into kind of a superstition. You know, like the phrase, phrase "knock on wood." You know, people say, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going next next week to do this." Knock on wood. You know, I hope I never become su- superstitious. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> it's not that because you know you could say these words and not care about God's will, right? You could say, "If the Lord's will, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills," and not really care about His will. I think what James is describing here is a mentality an outlook on life that sees everything as dependent and contingent upon God's pleasure, right? So, it's not a formula, it's a mentality. However, let me hasten to add this. It's not that the words don't matter at all. I think it's important that we actually do verbalize these words fairly often. If it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or that. Because the things that come out of your mouth influence your heart. It's not just that they come from your heart, they also influence your heart in the other direction. You can undermine or bolster your beliefs by what you say. It really is possible to talk yourself out of believing something or talk yourself into believing something. You can do that. No one has more influence on you than you. Why? Because nobody talks to you as much as you do. Right? You're talking to yourself all day long. And the things that you say have an impact. They do. They have an impact. You, you can change yourself by the things you say to yourself. And you see that in the Psalms. The psalmists preach to themselves. It's good for your tongue to become accustomed to holy speech. Saying true things. Especially these things that are so hard for us to remember. Right? These things that are like... Simple question, is it God's will? But we don't think to ask. If we say it more often, we'll think to ask it more often. Godly men who wrote the scriptures, they verbalized it. They wrote it down. 1 Corinthians, Paul, 1 Corinthians 4.19. I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. He felt like necessary to write that. He didn't take it for granted. He said it again in chapter 16. He said it again in Romans 1.10. We see it in Hebrews 6.1. It's a good thing to say. It's a good thing to say. It should be in our speech. And and regardless of how often it shows up in our speech, it must be the attitude behind everything we do all the time. Okay, then he wraps it up, verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now most of the time we think of sin in terms of what, of doing something we shouldn't have done. Oh, I did that, I shouldn't have done it. But it's just as sinful to fail to do something that you should have done, you know you should have done. Um, the the theologians call that sins of omission. You say, what's a sin of omission? Is that when I'm, I should have sinned, but I didn't? No. no. <laughs> sin of omission is when you should have done something good and you failed to do it. Right? If just avoiding sinful actions, if that's all there is to godliness, then a corpse is is virtuous, right? But 
we must not only avoid doing wrong things, we must do right things. Luke 12, 47, Jesus said, the servant who knows his master's will but does not get ready or do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. So you have, it's, it's sin not to, to know something you have to do and, and not do it. Now, does that mean you have to do every single good thing that there is that you know about? No. I mean, there's millions and millions of good things that you can think of. There's no way you could possibly do them all. Jesus didn't do them all. I mean, it would be good to share the gospel with every single person on the entire planet, but you can't do that. There's lots of good things you know about that you can't do. So, so is James saying that if you know about some good thing but you don't do it, that's sin? No, that's not what he says. The verse doesn't say anyone who knows of a good thing uh, that he could do but doesn't do it sins. It says anyone who knows of a good thing he ought to do but doesn't do it sins. There's plenty of things that you know of uh, that are good but that aren't your responsibility. Would it be a good thing for me to go preach the word of God to a bunch of people besides you, some other people this morning? Yeah, that would be good but that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to teach here where God called me. So I'm not on the hook for doing something else this morning. I just need to do this. And, and what James is saying is, okay, I've told you this. You need to live according to God's will. You need to live for God's pleasure. Live in his party. Now that you know that, if you don't do it, it's sin. This is not a small thing. It's a big thing. You have the responsibility to live this way. Well, maybe you realize you've been trying to make it your party. And you're sick of it. You're sick of it. It's nothing but disappointment and heartbreak all the time. And you realize, right here and now, God is speaking to you. You're a believer. You, you've made the commitment, I'm going to live for the glory of God. But you find yourself falling back into imitating an unbeliever and living like it's your party. Or maybe you know you've never made it about God's glory. You'll glorify God when that fits into your agenda, but it's all about your agenda. And you've never really made that commitment. Either way, here's what I want you to know. God is inviting you right now to his party. Maybe, maybe you can feel it. You can just feel God is, he's, he's doing something in your heart right now. He's not letting go. And you might be resisting it and you're saying, well, well that would mean I would have to, and I would have to give up and I would, and God is saying, no, no, this is, this is the direction you need to go. If that's the case, you need to respond. Respond. Just lay, lay down your pride and say, I will, I will follow. Jesus gave his life so that I could do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my faith in that. I'm going to trust in that. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to, I'm going to join his party. My party is lame. I'm going to live with the mentality, I need you every hour, God. Every hour I need you. Imagine this life were your party. Suppose God said, okay, from now on, all your happiness and well-being will depend completely on your plans instead of mine. So God gave you tons of money and lots of power and all kinds of resources so you could carry out your plans. How well do you think that would work out? I mean, just look at the past. Have your plans for yourself turned out to be especially brilliant? Did you always get it right? Isn't it true that a lot of your plans turned out to be terrible plans and lots of others would have been disasters if they had come to pass? We don't know what's best for us, and we don't know what would make us happiest. 
But we do know from experience that if God made this our party, many of the plans we would come up with would end up making us miserable. Is there any area where you can identify where you have been living as though life is your party? Try to think of one or two and consciously turn your back and walk out of your party in those areas and enter into God's party. Thank you, Father, for blocking all my ill-conceived plans. Plans that would have been trouble. Plans that would have put me in places I never wanted to be. My ideas about what would be good and what wouldn't are so small. They revolve around me and my little realm. I have so little knowledge of the big picture, the grand scheme of things conceived in your infinite, brilliant mind. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways and your thoughts than my thoughts. Oh, the depth of the riches of your wisdom and knowledge. How unsearchable your judgments and your paths beyond tracing out. Who has known your mind or who has been your counselor? Father, help me to remember my place in your plan. Like a planet orbiting the sun instead of expecting the universe to orbit around me. For from you and through you and to you are all things. To you be the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.